Welcome to a Catalyst for Change podcast, where we are a catalyst to inspire compassion among people, promote collaboration with leaders, and build capacity for programming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catalyst for Change show. My name is Lisa Rowe, and I will be your host today. I'm so grateful to be with you today, and I'm grateful to lead an organization, Support After Abortion. We exist to end the demand for abortion by helping to heal those who have been impacted. And today, our guest is a dear friend of mine, a previous colleague, and she is here to discuss sex trafficking. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, we see the word sex trafficking and our hearts and minds are ignited on how we can help. But what I found in my own journey through working as a sex trafficking advocate and also in the world of abortion healing is that there isn't a whole lot of discussion with those who've experienced sex trafficking. And so I've asked Miko to join me today to share a little bit about her own organization and also just to have a conversation with me uh, about why is it that we're not talking about it when we know some of our sex trafficking victims are the most vulnerable to abortion. And so without further ado, let me introduce you to my dearest friend, Miko. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. (laughs) I'm so grateful. Uh, We just were praying and I just was reminded that we've known each other for maybe what, five or six years now, maybe a little bit less, but we met when working in an anti, well, we actually met in an anti-trafficking conference. Um, You were providing an amazing training and I was so intrigued by you and Mm -hmm. you've continued that work. So would you kind of share with everybody a little bit about your journey into the work that you're doing and Um, what you're doing currently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So first of all, thank you for doing this. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored um, to be speaking with you today. Um, So to tell you a little bit about how I got into this journey, um, I grew up as a foster youth and I'm originally from Chicago. And once I transitioned to Los Angeles, which is where I am now, I spent about eight years working with youth that were in foster care and on probation. And during that time, I learned that one of the youth um, that I worked with that I see, I felt like I knew pretty well, had been trafficked. And at that point, I didn't know anything about trafficking. I thought that it was, you know, something that happens in another country. I was just so unaware of how prevalent it really was here in the U.S. And so I just got really passionate about learning more about trafficking. Um, And in my journey of that, just getting passionate about prevention and how can we keep kids from being trafficked um, in the first place. Um, and so that's really kind of where my journey began. Um, I am a filmmaker as well. So I created the training program that you mentioned uh, using clips from a film that I wanted to use to raise awareness about human trafficking. Um, I did go down and I did that presentation. And honestly, that was the first presentation that I had done with that training. Um, and it was just great feedback, um, a great training. And uh, from there, I was like, yeah, this is this is the life work. This is what the purpose is of everything that I've been doing, the heart that God has given me um, and the talents that he has given me. I think it is really to um, serve as a way to raise awareness about this issue. Um, and so I've just been doing that ever since. Um, I have transitioned into running my own nonprofit, um, which is called The Power Project. Um, And we are just an organization that's trying to address human trafficking um, and and just 
be able to educate youth and get on the front end of the issue um, to never see kids be trafficked again. I, in fact, I go by the motto, not one more. We don't want one more youth to be impacted by this issue. Um, and so we do training with youth um, ages of middle school up to high school and transitional age youth. We do training with parents, uh, with staff, administrators, teachers, um, anyone that will listen and that works with and loves kids, we come out and we talk to them. Um, and yeah, we just really want to be able to build up youth and, and empower them um, to be able to fight back, to be able to recognize what's being what's happening as it relates to recruitment. And, um, and we want to make sure that they have the tools to protect themselves. That's amazing, Miko. And, and I get to serve on your board of directors. And I'm so thrilled to be able to support you in that way, because it is it is about prevention. And, you know, Miko, I'd love for us to just kind of dive right into some of the vulnerabilities that you see teenagers facing, young people facing, parents, families facing, as it yeah. relates to sex trafficking, so that our viewers really understand that this is not an international yeah. issue. This is in our backyards. Yes, absolutely. Um, so some of the vulnerabilities that we see are youth that are looking for love, looking for friendship, companionship. Um, we see what ends up happening is traffickers are grooming youth. Um, and so they are pretending to be in a relationship with them, making the youth feel like they really are in love and that they care about them. Um, and then we see them manipulating them or forcing them into trafficking in that way. So it's not the proverbial, you know, white van with no windows that's pulling up next to a youth and dragging them in and kidnapping them like we see on Taken. Um, and I think why that's important to highlight is because if that's what you're looking for, you're going to miss it when you're seeing sex trafficking right underneath your nose. Um, another thing we see is really <laughs> uh, online is huge for trafficking, which is very concerning with us, you know, in the time of COVID right now and kids spending way more time just online. Um, um, with different devices. Um, and so a lot of times parents, you know, when we talk to them, they're very confident that, you know, I'm a great parent. I know that my kid is protected. They're not running out on the street. They're not running away from the home. But the reality is if you've given your youth a tablet or a computer, a phone even, you have just given a potential predator access to your youth no matter what. And so you could be sitting in the other room and your youth is being exploited online in some way and you don't even even know. Um, and so that is a vulnerability as well. This crosses all social economic status. It crosses all gender, in fact. So boys and girls are being trafficked. It crosses all ethnicities. So there's not one ethnicity that gets trafficked, nor is there only one ethnicity that buys or sells. Um, and so it's just very hard to to recognize those things. Um, but I will say that a lot of times traffickers do go for youth that have um, issues at home or lack of parent um, involvement um, because they know that that youth is probably vulnerable and looking for connection in some way. Um, so that's definitely one thing. We have a huge impact on the LGBTQ youth who often when they are trying to live in their truth um, are chastised and kicked out of the home sometimes. And so you see a huge homeless population um, that ends up um, not having a place to stay, not having money or food um, and needing those things. And so that creates vulnerability where traffickers can take advantage of that. Um, so really anything that a youth feels like they don't have, um, 
and that they need. The trafficker is looking to profile that youth, really learn what their vulnerabilities are and what it is that they're needing and be able to provide whatever that is. Um, and especially with youth that are in foster care as well, they are being targeted at a high rate. Um, and a lot of times they know that if you're in foster care, it's probably because something happened in your home and you may not have anyone that's looking for you when they you know, bring you into their home um, or, or you know, try to kidnap you or whatever the case may be. So, um, so yeah, those are some of the vulnerabilities that we're seeing, but definitely relationships are a huge way of being recruited, whether that's friendships from a peer or a relationship with someone, and then also, oh. and then also, um, just being online is a huge way of recruiting as well. Mm. And so, talk to us a little bit about your experience as you've walked in this prevention, your own prevention journey as a, a child that was in foster care. But then also, what is it? How do you encounter these youth? Where do you go to find them? And and what do you do when you do have a captive audience? How do we, we encounter who? The youth? The youth, the families. When you do connect with them, what does that look like? How do you educate? Yes. What kind of programming are you using? Yeah, absolutely. So what we want to do is we really are strategic about looking at what are the things that uh, traffickers feed on and try to remove from a youth's life. So whether that's um, self-esteem, whether that's loving themselves, um, we really try to put together programming that can address those things and, pride, and try to add that back into the youth's life and build them up so that they are convicted, they are built up, they are aware of their own power and what they are worthy of. And um, it's definitely not what traffickers have to offer. Um, and so the way that we do that is we've created a number of training that address different areas of trafficking, one um, including grooming um, and relationships and how peer recruitment works. Uh, we also have created a training that addresses the online piece of things um, and, and recruitment online, exploitation online. Uh, we also have a training that we are working on that has to do with healthy relationships and what do those look like? Um, and why that's important is because like I said, one of the huge ways that recruitment happens is through relationships. And a lot of times they are unhealthy, they are manipulative. And so the more that we can train kids and teach youth um, what healthy interactions really need to look like. We, our hope is that they will start to recognize for themselves when this is taking a turn and, um, and that they are worth more than that and they deserve better than that. Um, and so that's kind of how the, the type of training that we do. We also have training for parents who have experienced um, sex, sex trafficking with their youth. So if their youth has been trafficked, we offer training of, with par for parents where they can understand more about trafficking and how does that really work and what does trauma bonding look like and why does it seem like this youth has opportunity to leave and yet they don't or they keep going back. Um, so we really help them get clarity and and um, try to help parents uh, be able to utilize better language around working with their youth and helping walk them back to health. Um, and then with staff, we really want them to have awareness around tra trafficking and what that really looks like. Um, and so same thing, just this uh, sensitivity and trauma-informed care is really what we try to, to encourage um, with staff and with anyone that's teachers working with youth. Um, the way that we do that is we just reach out to different agencies within the community. Um, we're looking to partner with government agencies like a DC CFS, like the school districts in different areas where we operate. Um, we currently work in Chicago, in New York, and also here in Los Angeles. Um, 
And we just wanna make sure that we're connecting with those organizations that are serving youth um, and that we are coming in and training the staff. We prefer to make sure that they have the knowledge and then come in and train the youth as well. Um, so we connect with community centers, with schools, with um, government agencies that work with youth um, in the hopes of really bringing as much prevention training as we can. That's awesome. And I am just so proud of you um, as you share your message and as you take this into new places, like it's really not about the trafficking. Like I want our, our listeners to hear that. It's not about the trafficking. It's about the root issue, right? The trafficking yes. is the symptom. The grooming yes. is a symptom, but the yes. root issue, like you said, and we say this in abortion healing is that our women are growing up with a lack of identity, with a lack yes. of purpose and value and people in their life that have shown them how to love themselves. Our yes. men in our world are being raised to do that too, right, Nico? And yes. so we are finding people victims of all sorts of things, trafficking being one of them. For us, it's abortion, but we have domestic violence and substance yes. abuse and yes. all sorts of other dysfunctional and damaging behaviors. And so I love that you're not, you're educating and that needs to happen, but you're getting to a much deeper root. And mm. maybe just maybe Nico, you might be the only woman that that young lady encounters or man that is speaking life into them. Yeah, um, I know you have tons of stories, but I'd love to hear one of them that, you know, you really saw like, it's not about this. It's about way deeper and what yeah. happened. Yeah. So, um, right now, um, we've seen youth that have really, you know, formed a trauma bond with their trafficker. Um, and so we had one uh, youth in particular who uh, felt like she was in a relationship. Um, she ended up getting pregnant. Um, that individual uh, let her know, hey, we're kind of young, let's, let's just have an abortion and uh, we will, you know, try to do something again in the future. And, um, and so she did, she followed through with that. And uh, once she had the procedure, then he didn't want anything to do with her anymore. Um, and that was very devastating for her. Um, we have traffickers who may impregnate a youth and I've seen youth uh, that I worked with at a group home. And when I went out to, um, to do outreach with a partner organization, she was out there probably about seven months pregnant, clearly visibly pregnant and still out there on the track, um, you know, um, and working. And uh, that was really, really hard for me to see. I didn't even realize that that was a thing, but apparently, you know, that's a, that's a, that's something that that some buyers will actually seek out and go for. Um, and so I'm seeing that it doesn't matter like what's happening in that youth's life. That is definitely, you're still out there working. You still have to go out and do what it is that they're wanting you to do. Um, but you're right. I have so many stories of just um, seeing youth that are being being victimized in that way. Um, most of the youth that we work with, it's usually around grooming and relationships. Um, but you also see kids that are running away who, who um, may have a female trafficker. And, um, and, and, and really they're looking for love and support. And so they have this mother figure, if you will, that is coming and providing that. Um, and then, you know, providing love, support, maybe a place to stay, and then they're being trafficked as well. Um, and so, yeah, we see, we're seeing it in so many 
so many different ways and it and it coming out in so many different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, and as you're talking, I'm just relating to my own journey. I remember when I started working at the organization that we both worked at together, and I remember sitting across the couch, across the living room to a young woman who had just recently gotten out of the trafficking world, and I remember going, what is it that I can offer her? I've never been traumatized in the ways that she's been traumatized. Why, Lord, have you called me to this position? And I remember leaving three hours later going, okay, God, I totally get it. Mm. I have not been trafficked, but I understand and I can relate to what it's like to sell my soul to somebody else, only care about what they think, what they want, and and not know who I was created to be or what I loved and valued. It was all dependent on that person. And so although I never had a pimp, I had a father, I had many men in my life that basically I allowed to dictate every move that I made. And it, it wasn't until like a major life you know, explosion for me that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I am. Yeah. And I feel like we can relate so much of what you're sharing about the lack of identity and purpose and trafficking, but it relates to so many other things. And for that, I want our viewers to hear that. Like we have got to stop um, looking at different behaviors as the behavior itself. If we, if that's all we're doing is treating the behavior and like, I can't help that issue. That's too far. If we can look at these behaviors as their products of dysfunction, childhood dysfunction, well, then maybe we can meet people where they really are and stop looking at it. It's like, oh, well, you have drug, drug addiction. I can't help you or you're suicidal. I can't or depressed or abortion or sex trafficking. Like if we can look at a human being as being a product of something really painful yeah, and offering them absolutely. the love and support that you're offering, well, then maybe our world can be less divided, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that we do, especially in our parenting training, is we do talk about um, just the iceberg, right? You see this behavior on the surface, but there's this huge iceberg and the rest of it is underneath the surface. And if you only look at how they're behaving, how they might be cussing you out or, you know, talking crazy or running away or whatever the case may be, um, if you're not willing to dig a little bit deeper and understand where is this really coming from, um, then it's always going to be an issue and they're not going to find the healing and the support that they really need. Um, I think that the important question is not why are you like this or why are you doing this, but what's underneath that? What has happened to you that's really driving this? Um, And so I think you hit the nail right on the head in terms of really digging deeper and really understanding what are some of the root causes. Um, I think sometimes with families, it's really difficult, but I do encourage, and I'm sorry, there's a lot of noise outside. I do encourage them to, um, to look at what it is that they have done in that youth's life that could have been a catalyst. Um, We have a video that we play where a young lady, you know, her mom is saying, you know, do you think, do you you know how that feels for me to know that you were out there and you know how that's embarrassing for me, how that hurts me. And um, meanwhile, in another clip, you see her talking about the family dynamic and how she's always arguing with, you know, the stepdad and he's, you know, being abusive and there's a lot going on that caused her to run away. And so, you know, we see that family dynamic where the parent is not really taking accountability for what actually drove that youth to leave the home in the first place. And so we definitely 
you know, have a look yourself in the mirror and be honest and take accountability because sometimes just simply acknowledging their pain and how you may have had a hand in it, not all of it, but maybe a piece of it, um, and saying I'm sorry really goes a long way and starts them on that journey of healing and letting them know that you are supporting them and things like that. So I think you're absolutely right that um, we definitely need to be digging deeper and looking at what are some of the causes of that um, from the trafficker standpoint and from the victim standpoint. Um, is a trafficker doesn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I just want to sell people. There's probably something that happened to them as well. Um, and so just as we keep that in mind when we're doing this work, I think that that's super important. Um, and it helps us to not take things personal. It helps us to dig a little bit deeper and really address some of those deeper issues versus just being very surface with it and understanding that when a youth is acting out in a certain way, that's their trauma talking. That's not them. And let's 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 look at that and let's really try to heal from the inside out. So good, Nico. And you just said something like almost verbatim from our book. And I just was leading a group. Um, but and I had no intention on saying this, but we actually say in the book that no woman wakes up at 13 and says, I can't wait to be trafficked. No man wakes up at 15 and says, I can't wait to get my girlfriend pregnant and have an abortion. No yeah. man wakes up one day and says, I can't wait to beat my wife, right? Like that we put yeah. those scenarios in here because you're right. Like People do not wake up and say, I am ready to go do this very dysfunctional thing yes. today. Yes. They are trained and groomed and their roots are so deep in trauma that um, they can't even see, they don't know what healthy is versus unhealthy. And that's yeah. why we named the book Unraveled Roots because we really do. Families yeah. don't know sometimes that things are ugly, that things are unhealthy. They have no clue. I didn't yes. know. Yes, right? absolutely. 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 Oh, good. You're awesome. Well, tell everybody how they can connect with the power project. If they're interested in learning more, I know you have an online training that people can access. Yes. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So our website is www.thepowerproject.net. We are a nonprofit, but we have a .net at the end of ours. Um, and we are on social media as well at The Power Project 101. So we would love for you guys to connect with us. And um, yeah, we'd ha be happy to come and do training. You can ask us questions, DM us, whatever the case may be, we're here to help. Oh, awesome, Miko. Well, I am so grateful that we are connected. Our lives have connected for such yes. a time and that you yes. are doing such great work and that you get it, that you're a provider that is not band-aiding a symptom, but right. getting to the root of the issue. And right. um, so for those of you listening, if you are convicted by today's conversation, if you have been maybe treating the symptom and not the root of the issue, I want to challenge you to do two things today. Connect with Miko through the Power yeah. Project and connect with support after abortion. Learn what it is that we're doing that, that really gets to the root of the issue, really mm -hmm. connects to the identity and the purpose issues and the self-esteem issues. Because yes. if we continue to stay here in the symptoms, we are going to lose sight of what really is taking place. And people are just going to perpetuate their damaging behaviors. And if you're intrigued by how to unravel the roots, um, visit us, unraveledroots.com. And we have our curriculum there and we have developed a six week series of videos and ways for you to really work with clients on how to get to the root of their issues, regardless of what they are. So Nico, thanks That's again awesome. for joining me. I am so blessed by you and uh, 
If, if you want to learn more, supportafterabortion.com. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know has been impacted by abortion, you are not alone. Contact us today at supportafterabortion.com. If you were inspired by today's message, we welcome you to join the conversation by following us on Facebook or Instagram.